When people discuss the World Economic Forum, something that often comes up is the 2030 Agenda. This is a United Nations General Assembly resolution which established the blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. So the 2030 Agenda is really the wider vision that member states have set out to reach situation of sustainable development. And the 2030 Agenda starts out with a strong chapter around what the vision and the principles are. And in this introductory part you find the 5P. So it really talks about the wider principles, the why we need a different kind of thinking, why we need different partnerships, why we need to think differently about the ways to implement the agenda. And then the goals are essentially 17 specific areas where member states are focusing attention to say if we want to achieve this wider vision, what are the specific topic areas we need to focus on and where we need to measure progress. But the SDGs by themselves are actually just the means to the end. The sustainable development goals are really a roadmap. You know, when we talk about reaching sustainable development, we're trying to see how to find solutions that look at social, environmental and economic dimensions at the same time. And the sustainable development goals are the specific issues we need to focus on to get there. Now, I'm old enough, and I'm sure you are old enough to have learned by now that politicians put flowery language on resolutions, laws, and bills to make them more palatable. So something like Goal 11, make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. Goal 12, ensure sustainable consumption and production patterns. Goal 13, take urgent action to combat climate change and all of its impacts. Really do not cause alarm bells to go off, but what if this meant you couldn't own a car? No eating meat, no traveling, being limited to buying three new pairs of clothes a year, and social credit-based exemptions for anything outside the new normal. Enter C40 Cities, one of the many NGOs supporting the WEF, the 2030 Agenda, and in my opinion, ushering in a cultish, hyper-environmentally friendly version of global communism. If that sounds reactionary, go read Ayn Rand's anthem, where a communist uprising brainwashed the people and had them living in pre-industrial society to better control them. I hear people say, your future is bright. But after this past year, I wonder if that's still true. When I see the news, sometimes I'm overwhelmed. What's going to happen to my family, to our planet, to the animals, to my friends, to me? Make no mistake, we are in the midst of the fight for our lives for our planet, our people, and our shared future. Around the world, we are grappling with an unprecedented pandemic, confronting fires on our hillsides, floods in our streets, and entrenched systemic inequality. A global crisis of this magnitude, one that transcends borders, politics, and ideology, requires nothing less than bold, united, 
global action to meet the urgency of this moment. Mayors of the world's greatest cities know that our communities and residents are already feeling the effects of the climate emergency firsthand. They know we cannot wait this crisis out, so instead, they have raised their ambition by committing to cut their city's fair share of emissions in half by 2030 and are already taking bold steps to make this happen. Mayors are delivering on a shared vision for a green and just recovery from the COVID pandemic that puts equity and inclusivity at the heart of our decision-making, prioritizes investing in crucial public services, creating good green jobs, supporting essential workers, ensuring access to healthy and sustainable food, and giving public spaces back to people and nature. Mayors know that cities can't do this alone, which is why they are working collaboratively with young people, labor leaders, heads of state, businesses, investors, and citizens. If we all work together, we're not only capable of leading us out of the climate crisis, we will build a world where everyone is included and everyone is safe. Where we can look our kids in the eye and tell them that their future is indeed bright. The actions we take this decade, starting today, will determine the future of humanity and all life on our planet. Together, we can, we must, change the trajectory our planet is on. Join us. C40 Cities has infiltrated cities around the world like Paris, London, Milan, Beijing, Toronto, and New York City. 14 American cities are trying to live by this new model, including Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Houston, Austin, New Orleans, Miami, Phoenix, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. How do cities become involved with this? Through their mayors. This all started in October 2005 when London Mayor Ken Livingston, Red Ken, convened representatives from 18 megacities to forge an agreement on reducing climate pollution and created the C20. In 2006, Mayor Livingston and the Clinton Climate Initiative CCI, led by former U.S. President Bill Clinton, combined to strengthen both organizations, bringing the number of cities in the network to 40 and helping to deliver projects and project management for participating cities to further enhance emissions reduction efforts. Today, Michael Bloomberg is president of the C40 board, and Sadiq Khan, the former mayor of London, is the current chair. There is a 13-chair steering committee made up of a rotating board of the current mayors of the participating cities. There are also funders and partners, but more on them later. Let's look at the values of this organization. Khan was slammed in the press a few years back for wanting everyone in the world to eat less meat. And let's start there with the values of C40 and their goals for what your life should look like. Effective climate action doesn't just involve slashing carbon emissions. 
It also means securing a just transition, which puts equity and inclusion at the heart of decision-making and ensures the benefits of climate action are felt by everyone. But what can cities do to achieve a just transition? By engaging in dialogue with residents and other stakeholders, cities can ensure that a path to a carbon-neutral and resilient future includes the voices of workers and frontline communities. Oslo is engaging with transport unions to better understand workers' needs, while Mukuru has worked with local residents to improve informal settlement resilience. Kazon City has mainstreamed inclusion and equity in city-level governance and decision-making to create policies that cater to the needs of the most vulnerable in society and address the unique challenges they face. Cities that prioritize a just transition can create a greener, healthier and more prosperous future for their residents while ensuring that no one is left behind. Before the recent lockdowns around the world, we led hectic lives with long commutes and not enough time to spend with our families and friends. Traffic polluted our air and smog blanketed our skylines. What if it could be different? What if we could create a new normal where we reclaim our time, our health and well-being and our communities? This is the idea behind the 15-Minute City, a growing movement to make our lives in cities more convenient, less stressful, and more sustainable. A 15-Minute City is one where everything we need is close to home, where communities are safe and inclusive, where the air is clean. A 15-Minute City is one where it's easy to get goods and services, fresh groceries, Healthcare and other amenities are all just a short trip away. A 15-minute city is one where everyone has a place. A 15-minute city has affordable, accessible and adaptable housing for households of all sizes and ages. A 15-minute city means that you can work close to home or work remotely more often. And we all play a role in our neighborhood. What if we don't go back to life as it was? What if we already have the power to change how we live? Together, we can reimagine and create the future we want. One that is cleaner, safer, healthier, and more inclusive. And gives us back valuable time to enjoy the little things. Let's look at these charts. Food consumption. <laughs> This is what they want, folks. The progressive target is 16 kilograms of meat per person per year. Folks, that's nothing. The ambitious target is zero meat consumption. They don't want you to eat meat. Dairy consumption, uh, as you can see, 90 kilograms progressive to zero ki kilograms is what they want. Folks, these people are out of their minds. This has to do with owning cars. As you can see, by looking at the chart, their goal by 2030 is there are zero, let me repeat that, zero private vehicles. There's something here about the lifetime of vehicles, but that obviously means public transportation. You will not be allowed to own a car. A car, as we've discussed many times, 
is liberty. It's it's individualism. They want to do away with that. Aviation. <laughs> Look at this, folks. Here's the progressive target they talk about. One short haul return flight, less than 1,500 kilometers, not miles, every two years per person. That basically means if you live on the East Coast, you can't even fly to Chicago. And their ambitious goal is one short-term return flight every three years. You can't hop on a plane to go on vacation. You have to be their surf. Consumption interventions for clothing and textiles and associated targets. This is what they want, folks. This is a pre-industrial age. It's like taking us back thousands of years. Progressive target, eight new clothing items per person per year. The ambitious target is three new clothing items per person per year. Now, do you think the elitist who come up with these charts are going to live by these rules? I think not. Who is on the board of this organization? The World Economic Forum, Rockefeller Foundation, Clinton Foundation, World Business Council for Sustainable Development, Eat the Science-Based Global Platform for Food System Transformation, World Wildlife Federation, and World Resources Initiative. Who funds C40 cities? Bloomberg Philanthropies, Realdania Laurel, IKEA, Open Society Foundation, <laughs> George Soros, Wallace Global Fund, Henry A. Wallace, an early progressive party member and dabbler in the occult, which is openly said on his Wikipedia, Google and Quick, a massive data integration company. This is Davos. This is the Club of Rome. This is rule, not by democracy or parliamentary procedure. These are the global elites thinking they know best when there is so much up in the air concerning this. I understand not believing technology is going to solve every single issue. That is putting technology on the pedestal of religion. But the solution to the problem can't be worse than the problem. As always, this video is food for thought, something to think about. For me, organizations like C40 Cities and the WEF are an epistemological threat to the status quo and reality. If 36% of the world lives off less than a dollar a day, Achieving equity with them means we have to completely destroy our society and way of life to be equal with them. It means global communism and submitting ourselves to a level of control no government has had on any human throughout history. I believe that free and open markets do far more good to raise the tide for those in the poorest countries. Think about this, people. In 1999, if I told you that most of the developing world would have access to smartphones and have all the human knowledge at their fingertips, 
Would you have believed me? No. Humans very rarely can predict the future. And I'm not willing to destroy society on the predictions of people who have and continue to be wrong on so much.